worst loss of the season by far, but good to know the Celtics are going to make some minor ad because they swear they're contenders. Wake the hell up. You're not a contender and have been a 500 team for a year and a half. Yet the Celtics are the only ones that get that as an excuse. You just got overworked by a Timberwolves team missing their their three best players and let Nathan Knight and Greg Monroe get layup after layup. I don't hear them using COVID as an excuse. Maybe the team is just bad. And it's time to accept it. Don't hear the Nets making excuses when they brought up their entire G League roster to play. Dennis Schroeder, who isn't good, also needs to be traded like immediately since they aren't re-signing him anyway. And time to think big about other moves. This organization has sworn for years they're somehow a contender, and it set them back years. Pathetic team after a pathetic loss. December 27th, 2021. This is the Indie Ball Report podcast. Takes like this are common. You want to hear some more after this. So we're back. Episode number 100 and I think 69, maybe 170. 169. I was right the first time. I always love when I have to stop part of the way through to confirm that because it makes us seem even more professional than we already are. But I'm Nick. He's Will. Uh, Will, do you know who that uh, cold open take was from by chance? Uh, I do. That was a when the Celtics were really bad. Uh, if you certainly follow me on social media, on my Twitter, you know, I'm a, you'd, you'd probably realize I'm a huge Celtics fan. So uh it was a bad time at the time they were slumping big time uh they lost to a timberwolves team that had it was like during that whole covid huge covid outbreak in december and whatever and uh and they lost to a timberwolves team who had lost their three best players and it was just horrible it's like the worst it was the worst loss of the season and that was like my point where I gave up on the season, and that was kind of my getting my rant out on Twitter. But you know what? If if that's the uh, if that's the price I have to pay for seeing them in the NBA Finals, and at the moment three games away from from winning an NBA championship, I'll gladly take it. Yeah, I just think it was fantastic because the second you tweeted that, I was like, "Oh, this is getting screenshotted," because I know how this is going to age. It only ages one way. And it aged like a fine case of milk is how that aged. Are you saying that you've had more faith in the Celtics than I did, Nick? Or you were just doing it just because it wasn't going to age well? Oh, definitely option two. Definitely option two. No doubt about that. Although, seeing that there was a member of the Brotherhood on the Celtics, that's all I really needed to see to know that they were going to be going far. Although, I will say, the series with the Bucks hurt my soul because noted good guy and also member of the Brotherhood Grayson Allen was on the Bucks there, and seeing Grayson lose was very tough. But knowing that Tatum won helped ease the soul a little bit. Yeah, uh, Grayson Allen's a very well-liked guy. What can you say? Stand-up, good citizen. You know, I don't think that you could find a better guy than Grayson Allen. And frankly, he, like I said, he's a model citizen, and that that's all there is. But for those that are unaware, this is, in fact, a baseball podcast. I know you may be confused by that nearly four minutes in and only hearing about basketball but it is in fact a baseball podcast we talk about baseball a lot here um and uh yeah i suppose we could do that this week but um we could also choose not to i guess i mean as much as i would love to talk about about basketball and even hockey for uh for for hours on end we, we, we have a job to do. The people came for their independent league baseball. I think we need to bring it to them. I'd agree with that. And who knows? Maybe one day we'll get uh, desperate enough, greedy enough, whatever you want to call it, and make a Patreon put out unrelated sports talk programming, more so than this show already normally is, uh, behind a paywall or something. Now, who on God's green earth would pay for that? I don't really know, but hopefully there's a handful out there that would. But I do agree. We do need to get into independent league baseball talk because that's really what we're here to do. That's right. There's only, and there's, there's only, I guess there's only one way to find out if we can put it behind a paywall. Exactly. See, see if people will pay for it. I don't know. Exactly. Well, we'll revisit that sometime down the line eventually when we get to that point. But before we get there, we do have to talk about baseball. And baseball starts with the American Association for no real reason other than the, the one that's up on my other screen right now. And there's actually a lot of movement happening over there. There's a lot of 
interest in that league at the moment because you have this kind of weird divide that's happening in the West Division. You know, you have three teams that are pretty solidly above the rest, and even the other teams in that division aren't that bad. I mean, Sioux Falls isn't doing great. Two and eight, six-game losing streak. Not what you love to see. Same thing, uh, Sioux City. They just came off a very nice series against Milwaukee, but uh, it's still three and seven in their last ten as well. Uh, Winnipeg, they're about 500. They're fine. But the rest of that West Division is all... Very close. They're within two games of each other. And in the North, 10 games apart is the kind of swing from first to last. But the top four teams are pretty well set. I mean, Gary and Cleburne are at the bottom. We'll talk about Cleburne's issues in a bit. But Lake Country's looked very strong so far. Milwaukee's looked good. Kane County's been surprisingly good. Chicago's picking up where they left off last regular season. Like I said, in the in the West... Uh, you could go through process of elimination for the three teams I didn't mention. Lincoln, Fargo, Moorhead, and Kansas City have all had a very strong start to their year. Yeah, I think when you look at when you look at the West Division, I think the they're not really too surprising just because we know how in, how great of a team Kansas City is. They're playing extremely good baseball at the moment. Winners winners of their last seven consecutive games. So, uh, especially Fargo Moorhead as well. The two teams we expected to be really in the playoff race, in the championship race towards the end. Uh, good to see in particular in the West. And I know they, I know they've lost three in a row, but just overall, uh, Lincoln playing some good baseball as well. Uh, and, and Winnipeg, Winnipeg's playing a little bit better of late. Uh, but I think overall, uh, Sioux City and Sioux Falls about what we thought that, about what we thought they were. Uh, at least early on, and uh, specific, especially for Sioux Falls, I mean, in a hundred in a hundred game season, I mean, five and fifteen is it's a hard hole to dig out of. So you, you can't really fall uh, too much further than that. And I mean, in the East, I, I think that again, we're, it's the two surprises. It's to me, it's I, I mean, well, Cleburne. Yeah. I guess you could put you could say like when I say a surprise, like I guess I more mean it in a positive connotation with, yeah. with Kane County and and Lake Country d- d- playing some pretty good balls a uh, in their inaugural season. But I mean, who else is also a surprise? And I don't think any of us for for Cleburne. I mean, being four and fifteen at the moment, I don't think any of us thought Cleburne was some was some great team. Yeah. Um, I think we thought they were probably going to be dangling around, maybe trying to scrap that last playoff spot or. Or even around there. However, I mean, they have been. I, I don't. I think this would be. I think this would be the uh, right way to put it, Nick. I mean, they've been shockingly bad. Yeah, and for, like for Cleburne, as far as their issues are concerned, it's not like they've been like win a game, lose a couple of games in a row, win a game, lose a couple in a row. Their losses are coming off of massive losing streaks here, and by massive, I mean they've just lost five in a row they have another game in progress right now it looks like that streak should be over now they're playing sioux falls uh that game like i said is wrapping up uh fairly soon as we record but they had another massive losing streak before that which stretched about eight games or so nine games or so and that's just it's not really what you you're looking for in a quality competitive baseball club and i mean some of the losses you could point to a seven six loss to Chicago, another seven six loss to Chicago. Those were close games deciding the last few innings, of course. And same thing with a two zero loss to Fargo Moorhead, an eight six loss there. But then you have your seventeen seven losses, your seven one losses. You have these other kind of major losses, a twenty to six loss to open up the year. You have another nine six loss, a four one loss. Those aren't as bad, yeah. But I mean, even still, it's not exactly like they're. They're doing a whole lot in that regard of a 10 to 6 loss recently to Winnipeg as well. And it'd be one thing too, if they were losing just to your Fargo Moorheads and your Chicago's that are, you know, were doing very well to start the year. Even Kane County, Milwaukee, admittedly, they haven't had the easiest start of the year. They've had some very good teams, but they're even losing to your Winnipeg's. I mean, they were practically speaking swept by Winnipeg. Uh, because, well, they were swept by Winnipeg. It was a little bit different because one was rained out and then it became a double header. So maybe something's different there. But even still, it's not exactly like they're beating up on teams that they should beat up on or even splitting against tougher teams. They're, they're getting worked over pretty much every series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it really has been. And it's, it's not like a, 
I mean, you see teams, for example, I, I think the team in the Atlantic League you could look at who has, I guess, a similar record at this point, probably some more games played just based on when the season started. Hmm. I mean, you could look at a team like the Staten Island Ferryhawks, uh, a team that their, their record has been poor, but you could also point to, hey, their pitching at points has been decent. Uh, they, there are positives you can point into, specifically when you can just wipe the slate clean after the first half. Uh I mean, Cleburne just really hasn't been like that at, at all. It's been, it's, they've, they're struggling in all facets of the game. It's hard to really point to, uh, much of anything positive, really, on either, on either side of the ball. And, uh, it's, again, like last season, uh, I mean, Cleburne was, was off to, was off to that good start that kind of tailed off towards the end and ended up getting it, it was able to get into the playoffs. But, uh, it's, it, it, I mean, they have been, appallingly bad so far and look it's i guess it's not uh you don't want to declare anything over but i mean look at the end of the day i mean you got four teams in each division make the playoffs so i so at this point let's look looking at the east division you're down six games already yeah right and that's that's again not impossible uh you would think that you or at least for Cleburne's sake, you would hope maybe a team like Lake Country possibly comes back down to earth. But they look to be, I don't want to say legit because it's not like I see them as some sort of contending team, but uh, they're, I mean, they, they're definitely solid. They're a solid group with a, with a pretty a roster with some nice depth. And I, I don't know. It's, it's, it, they've been really bad. And especially in a, in a, in a, in a league without the have system like the Atlantic League. It, it's they're digging themselves a, a really a really deep hole, and at this point they're they're just it's been really rough. Yeah, and see so what's tough for for Cleburne is like you said that you kind of have this this setup where there's not too many teams that are, that are going to fall back to earth. You kind of assume Chicago should make it. Milwaukee's a good enough team where I think we could say even if they are struggling a little bit right now, they should make it. Kane County has been surprisingly good as well. So you you don't want to say, oh, they're in because we're only a fifth of the way through the season. Although it seems like the season just started not that long ago. But uh, we are a fifth of the way home. So maybe they come back down. Maybe they don't. We don't really know. But when you look at Lake Country, who seems to be the most likely, they beat the teams they're supposed to beat. Two out of three against Gary. They managed to split against Kane County. Or they took one of four, rather. My mistake Looks a little bit kind of iffy here. They play a lot of games against them too. So they took two in the one, two in another. They lost two in another. It's, uh, they play into about even the point. And they beat Winnipeg two out of three. They beat up on Sioux City. They took two out of three there. They took one out of three against Milwaukee. They take the games they need to take and they, they manage to keep it to even. And 500 seems to be good enough when you have four teams making it to, you know, get to the next season, the postseason. And there's a there's a good enough uh, lineup here for Lake Country, batting wise and frankly pitching wise, they're not you know lighting the world on fire, but they're going to be able to stay afloat that way. So it doesn't seem like they're going to drop out, but again, it's a fifth of the way. It's going to be tough. It's really at that point in the year where, like you said, well, it's a hundred game season. We're twenty games in. If you're four and fifteen, if you're five and fifteen. It's going to be very difficult to try and make those games up later on because everybody else is so far ahead of you already that you're going to have to find six games as you start to get down to 50 games left, 40 games left, 30 games left. It becomes a lot harder to make up that ground. Yeah, for sure. I it, it especially um, especially just because you mentioned as you mentioned that that 100 game season, it's. Uh, you don't have a lot of time to turn it around and say the uh, league like the Atlantic League that's so that's like a hundred a hundred and whatever they are like I know it was like one twenty six yeah I knew it was sometimes it's one twenty six sometimes it's one forty yeah uh, sometimes they drop uh, down to even fewer for some reason they're weird yeah but I, I think that it's been they're really digging themselves a hole uh, and. To be honest with you, at least in the in the current playoff system in the American Association, if you take care of the bad teams, you're probably a playoff team. Yeah, and it's just it just hasn't been that way for Cleburne. And well, I mean, 
it's hard to take care of the bad teams when you are one of them. So yeah. uh, I, I think it's, it's honestly it's honestly that simple for them at the moment. Yeah, it definitely is there. And I mean, elsewhere in the East, just to kind of wrap up the East division, uh, Chicago and King County are the two teams that I think are kind of surprising. We knew Chicago was going to be in an all right team. I think we said they were going to be a good team, but we weren't sure they were going to be at the top. They very much came out and said we're at the top nine and one in their last ten six game winning streak. They beat up on King County uh, just tonight for two. They took a win, so that's an impressive win against a a very solid team, a very respectable team, and they've been able to get wins against teams they should be, and even somewhere it's more even. Yeah, I mean they've been they've they've definitely been. Uh, They've definitely been quite quite a surprise so far, and uh, a, and a pleasant one. I think that, I mean, at least on the Chicago end of things, um, it's hard because I think I don't, I don't say we doubt Chicago. I mean, we definitely yeah. did last year. I mean, there, there's just no no doubt about that. We we doubted Chicago last year, but I I think this year and even 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 Milwaukee, you're kind of waiting for them to get it going a little bit. But I mean, man, Chicago's Chicago's playing. Uh, some really good baseball. It's been a, of course, setting up this big series with with Kane County this weekend, where I think you'll get a lot of answers specifically about Kane County as well. Uh, yeah. But I, I think you're you're taking again those teams that you're supposed to beat on on this winning streak. Uh, I think you really saw the uh, you, you you saw the offense for Chicago specifically really explode against Sioux Falls again, a team uh, a team that you should beat, and even though they won three nothing really in that last game. Uh, of the series, I mean, you have a twelve-nine win in there. You have a seven-to-six win in there. I mean, they're swinging the bats really hot. They're swinging the bats really well right now, uh, and I mean, it's a big reason that that they're at the top uh, at the moment. But uh, but I mean, King County's right on their heels. Of course, they're going tied into the weekend. So um, so it's going to be interesting to see. It's, it's going to be interesting to see where we where we end up. Uh, at the end of this weekend, of course, it's not the last time they're going to play. But I, I think not certainly not the end all be all series uh, in the East Division. But it, it's a good it's a good test, especially I think for a team like Kane County uh, to see how how for real they are. Definitely, I do just want to mention two guys out of that Chicago bullpen: Ryan Clark and James Reeves. Both of them ten plus innings pitched, zero ERA. Still in Reeves' case, he struck out sixteen in about eleven innings. In Clark's case, 19 in about 13 innings. So they're they're dealing so far. They're doing very, very well. And when you look at the dogs, that bullpen seems to be what's really keeping them going. Because they're starting pitching, not very good. But when you look at the bullpen guys, they're, they're doing their job and then some. So definitely a solid, solid bullpen they got going there in Chicago. But I do agree. This is a... A nice series to kind of get a feel for that North Sea. Which one of these teams is going to be more of a, a frontier, as in, you know, upper tier, uh, contender in this East division, uh, between Chicago and, uh, King County? Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, of course, not, it's not some uh, end all be all series that, uh, but it, it's, it's an, it's a nice measuring stick early on, I think, for, for both teams in that division. Absolutely, and this is just the start of a very tough stretch for Chicago, too. This is kind of a, a stretch here where they're going to be able to tell if they're coming back down to earth because once they get done playing Kane County later today, being June 4th, and then tomorrow on the 5th, then they start a series next week at, at Lincoln. It's only a three-game road trip, so they go to Lincoln for three, and then they come back for a three-game set against Kansas City. So they have a very difficult nine-game stretch here. And even then, when they get back, they get Milwaukee and Lake Country, and then Milwaukee again. So it's not exactly like they had the easiest to And they have Lake Country again, so that's an interesting thing. They got Milwaukee, Lake Country, Milwaukee, Lake Country. That's a, an interesting setup there. But it is not the easiest of stretches for them. They're going to get a real uh, show-me stretch here coming up. Especially in Division too. Uh, oh, yeah. Division, divisional games. Uh, so, so important. So yeah, a lot of a lot of uh, I think I think when we look next week, the division standings could look uh, could look a lot different, especially with all those in, those interdivisional games at the moment. Absolutely, and then just quickly touching on the West, uh, not much to really talk about here, just because you have such a a tier system going right now. Yeah, there's only three games separating Lincoln and uh, Winnipeg, but there is still kind of like Lincoln. You know, is a good team. 
Fargo, you know, is a good team. They had, what, like a nine-game winning streak not too long ago. And uh, you have Kansas City, which I said it earlier in the month that they were feeling a lot like last year where they have kind of a slow start and then right around June they start to pick up steam and then in July it's like, yeah, this is the team we know they are. And they're doing that exactly again. Totally. I mean, they're stacked. They're completely stacked. Uh, what what else can you say? It's pretty. It was pretty easy to predict that they'd be right at the top. I mean, off to a fourteen and six start, winners of their last seven. I mean, a fourteen and six start in your first twenty games. At least last week we talked, and I believe they were seven and six at the time. Actually, yeah. when 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 we recorded, and uh, being like, all right, well, they're pedestrian. They're a little bit pedestrian at the moment, but starting to get it going. They just simply didn't lose this week. So. Yeah. Uh, that's it's a good strategy. If you, if you go through weeks with not losing, you'll probably be at the top of the standings. Yeah, it's very simple. See, step one is not lose. Step two is in profit. So if you just yeah. do that, it's a very simple system. But yeah, so the that uh, whole West division is going to be getting itself sorted out as we go along there. And we kind of know, like, is it that upper half? And we'll see how that last division spot kind of works out. I mean, even Winnipeg, it really they don't deserve to be kind of in that same suit here, as I put it, because the Explorers are not a very good team. The Canaries are not a very good team. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if they can kind of get it together. And that's not to say there aren't good players on there. It was just kind of funny because you look at the leaderboard and Jan Hernandez has gone off. I mean, Jan Hernandez is just, you know, he's batting nearly 400 with nine home runs and 24 RBIs. I mean, the dude is just breaking. But you look at... Uh, the Sioux Falls listing, and you have two guys in the top four for batting average. You have Jabari Henry, who's, you know, tied for second in home runs. You have Jabari Henry at 22 RBIs. He's been a, a large source of offense for them so far. So you have guys here that aren't bad, per se. You have three or four really good offensive pieces for uh, Sioux Falls. And then there's the rest of the lineup, and that's kind of where the issue is. Yeah, the a hundred percent. I think that um, that's really where you see the mark. Because th- the reality is, is when you look at um, pretty much any team across uh, across the three indie leagues, pretty much every team, no matter their record, has either one really good arm you could point to, one really good bat you could point to, uh, or or even a couple. But I mean, look, baseball's. I know it's a cliche, but baseball's such a team game and. Uh, when you don't have when you don't have depth, especially in indie ball, because it is so important. Because your best players are the are the ones who are who are almost trying to play their way off of your team instead of instead of playing your way to playing to a championship. Of course, uh, they, of course they don't have to be separate things. But uh, I think that yeah, I, there's there's certain guys. Uh, I think you mentioned Jabari Henry, and really Jabari Henry's been had that kind of role for a while. Uh, mm-hmm. He's been just the best player on, on, on a bad uh, Canaries team for for a while now. Um, and uh, and look I, at, at the end of the day, his goal is the same. He's trying to get back into affiliated baseball, uh, trying to trying to put up numbers. But um, but yeah, you're right. I think there it's just a classic example of a guy. That, for example, if this was if this was Major League Baseball, a guy that'd be looking to be dealt at the deadline, uh, for sure. But uh, you know, obviously, it doesn't work like that in the American Association. But I mean, the, I think really, especially in a league like the American Association, there's talented guys on every single roster. Uh, just a matter of how the how what kind of depth teams have, and of course, what kind of arms teams have. Like one, innings one through nine, it's it's just so important. Yeah, and I mean, another thing that doesn't help is when your best starter. He in four starts has an ERA of seven twenty two. That's not a. It's not really a recipe for success. No, when not, you're not what you're looking for. When your four dedicated starters have ERAs of seven fifty eight, seven twenty three, eight eighty five, and nine sixty one. That's not exactly going to win you a lot of games. There, uh, really, the whole the whole pitching staff just isn't very good. To be honest, anyone with more than ten innings has an ERA above four. And anyone above five innings, outside of Riley Farrell, uh, nobody really is uh, is really lighting the world on fire for these guys. So they were really banking on like their five bats that they have, and that's just not enough. So 
Uh, that's at least for the Canary situation. Uh, but I think we've talked enough about the American Association. We could probably make mm-hmm. our switch to the Frontier League, which has a team that I think is safe to say is the hottest team in indie ball in the Quebec Capitals, who are, are winners of. And I this is a franchise record. This is 100% correct. Their last 12 games, a dozen wins in a row for the Quebec Capitals. Prior to this stretch, they were four and three. Now they're 16 and three in a 96 game season. That's going to play very well. Nick, are you saying that, uh, with the, with the 12 game winning streak for the, for the Capitals and the, uh, 19 game losing streak for the Empire State Grays, would you say the Grays are out of the, uh, division race at the moment? I will say there's a lot of ground to be made up if you are the Grays. I mean, we're at we're approaching rapidly uh, the third of the season mark. In fact, we'll be just shy of that because let's see, it'll be 32 games. Maybe your your mark there will be close to that next time we record. So yeah, it's it's getting tougher for the Grays to win this division. I'm not gonna lie to you, uh, but the playoffs are still in there. I think. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean. I'm sure we'll see the Empire State Grace in the playoffs, but I mean, yeah, Quebec. They had, I think we, I think we both said they're one of the most talented teams in the league, uh, for sure. They're, um, they're a team that I, I know, I, I believe I picked them to win the championship. I'm pretty sure I did. I uh, we'll check the tape. We we could go back and check the tape. Uh, I mean, especially uh, let's look at their win. Of course, we're recording this on a Friday night. Yep. I mean, their offense just going down to it's a good old Yogi Berra Stadium and just smacking around the New Jersey Jackals uh, in a fourteen to three win tonight. But I tell you, what what the most impressive thing and about about this team is, I mean, their pitching is just unbelievable. Yeah, it's it's un unheard of and just unbelievable. I uh, and when Quebec and it's not just one arm, it's not just uh, uh, a couple starters or a couple bullpen guys in the middle reliefs or middle relievers are kind of iffy. It's everybody doing their part. They have so much depth and they can roll whoever they need out. Uh, uh, you can have confidence in pretty much all of your, all of their relievers. It's, it's a, they, I mean, they're a terrific, terrific team and, uh, a team that, I mean, it looks like there, there's a good chance that we could be checking back and they're, they're running away with the East because, I mean, they're that loaded. They're that good. Uh, yeah. and I mean, I, I think we, and we knew they would be good, Nick, but I think we'd be lying if we said we're talking 16 and three in their first 19 games. Cause that, that's just bananas, but that's how good they've been. They're, they are just a dominant club. Yeah. They're just, there's nothing about them that says weak. I mean, they've won just about everything you could ask in the wind at this point. They're beating. The teams they need to beat to being the teams that they shouldn't be beating. I mean, a gateway team that we both thought was very talented, they handled relatively easy. I mean, if you want to critique them, I mean, they've won a bunch of one and two running games, but I really don't think that's fair to critique teams on the way they're winning games. They're winning games consistently. Um, and I mean, they. the thing is, I don't really see where this streak could end because they have New Jersey for another two. That's not exactly the the most difficult thing in the world. Although, again, I will say it's weird that you have this homestand that goes on for like, what, three, six, nine games and a three-game road trip to New Jersey just to go back home for three. It doesn't make sense, but whatever. They have two against New Jersey still. That should be fairly easy to win. Another three against the Grays. It doesn't really get tough until you have to go back to, to Tri-City. And, I mean, if you could survive that, you get New York for three. Then you have Sussex for three. You have New York for three. New Jersey for three. There's an easy enough path here. Now, do I think it's going to extend another nine games or whatever? I don't necessarily think that. But if you told me it could get to 21, I would maybe see. Oh, that would be nine games now, wouldn't it? So, I mean, like... I can see him getting to 21 wins, what I'm trying to say. 21 wins before a loss. Getting to 17, I can very well see. I don't think they get through Tri-City, but it is, it's extremely impressive because, like I said, they beat a whole gamut of teams so far. Right, and I mean, they're establishing themselves. In a league, at least the Frontier League, I think you could say so far, I mean, outside of Quebec, 
I'd, I mean, of course, outside you take out the two outliers, yeah. that being uh, Quebec and, and, and the Empire State Grays. I mean, you're talking a pretty balanced league at the moment. Yeah. Uh, no one. I mean, of course, you have uh, Florence being on the on the disappointing start. They're off to a tough start this year, and a team like Washington. No. 12 and 7 start but and ottawa certainly as well is off to a nice start yeah. but i think overall it, you're not really seeing too many teams separate themselves uh a pretty balanced league at the moment where you could five check back in a week and they're and the standings are a lot different but i mean quebec is just head 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 and, head and shoulders above uh the pack at the moment and and really it's the pitching that sets them apart as i think as of course you see with a lot of teams that put run off kind of streaks like that. Uh, but I mean, we're talking, I mean, literally we're talking about, they could put together like historic winning streaks. Of course you mentioned, I mean, if they can get through the New Jersey series and they're going back to play like the grays, I mean, holy crap. I, you're talking about a, a, a streak when the likes that you've probably never seen in the frontier league before. Oh, so yeah. yeah, you'd be pushing it. Certainly. So, I mean, we'll see what happens. Of course, the Jackals are more than, I mean, they're capable of stealing a game. As, I mean, pretty much everyone is except Empire State. But, um, but I mean, then they're, get, they're getting Empire State next week. So, I mean, yeah. it just speaks to the dominance. It's, so, Quebec has to be, the, I mean, the story of Indie Ball right now, I think, and certainly yeah. the story of the Frontier League. Very much so. I mean, the, I, the only thing I have to say is the reason we keep ragging on Empire State is they're 0 19. I mean, like, like I said, people were, were a little bit doubtful of my take on, oh, they're going to stay in single digit wins or stay, you know, around 10 wins. Does that take seem so crazy now that they may not make like 12 wins? No, it does not seem like crazy. Just saying, like they're running out of time. They got about 77 or so more games to play. So it could happen, but <laughs> I'm just saying. Like, if they got to go 20 games in between wins, it's going to be rough. But uh, one team that I do think is kind of interesting to look at is Gateway right now. They're on a 2-8 and eight stretch. They went up to Canada, and it just did not go well between Quebec and, uh, and Ottawa. And the thing is, there's a lot of good players in this lineup. I, I, I look at them, and you see guys that are pretty good, but overall, it's just not quite... Uh, coming together for them i don't quite know why and that, that'll happen sometimes and of course it's early in the season so uh there's there's plenty of time for a team like i mean and it's not like gateway's been bad i mean yeah. they've been 10 they've been 10 and they're 10 and 9 yeah. and um i think i mean look the offense has definitely struggled a, a little bit lately you've however i think you've you've seen sparks and you've seen spurts of what their offense of what their offense can be. Granted, some of it was against Empire State when they're putting up uh, their the win in their three game sweep over over the Empire State Grays during the season. We're talking thirteen runs, seventeen runs, twelve runs. But even against three rivers, their offense looked good against the Jackals uh, in their sweep of them thirteen runs, eight runs, six runs. Uh, but I mean, I, I will say, admittedly. It's been um, a tough. They've gotten a tough go of it, like schedule-wise. I think that's part of it, just because you had you had they had they they were on the road for for quite a while before coming home for for Windy City uh, and uh, losing their first game of the series to Evansville tonight. But uh, certainly the Canada trip, like as you mentioned, Nick didn't go well. Uh, however, those I mean those are two good teams. Yeah. I mean when you're talking Quebec and Ottawa, those are those are two. Really good teams that, but obviously when when you go to Canada uh, for six games and you come out with one win, that's tough. Yeah. Uh, and if you're a team like Gateway, who I think we picked we're, that we're we're on, Very, really on board with, I mean, it's not it's not like you can use it as an excuse because you're supposed to be one of the big boys. You're supposed to be one of those big teams. Uh, but yeah, I, I I still think it'll come together for them. I, I mean, at the end of the day, it's not like they've been that bad. They still have a winning record, so uh, I I think um, they've played a lot of close games so far. They've they've lost some close games, especially against against Windy City. They uh, lost two two one run games where they're often struggled to get it going a little bit. So I'm not like overall, I'm not really worried about Gateway. I think they'll I think they'll be fine. Uh, but but definitely something to monitor and a team that 
I mean, I mean, hey, like for a team like like Milwaukee in the American Association is is ten and nine as well. So I, I don't think nowhere near time to sound the alarm bells or anything like that yet. Yeah, no, I, there's still plenty of time there. And plus, when you look at the West, it's still a very open division. Where you, whereas in the East, I think we kind of, like we said, it's still early on, but there's really four teams, maybe five teams that you're like, yep, these guys are probably going to be in it for a while. Uh, Empire State, you can roll out. New Jersey's not like they're six and ten, but they don't feel like a really strong team. Same thing with New York. They're 8 and 11, but they don't feel like an 8 and 11 team. They feel like a team that's much worse than that. Everybody else, I feel like there's a really good chance at fighting getting into the postseason within the East. It seems like a more predictable division, if I'm being honest. Whereas in the West, there is not much separating these teams. I mean, like, it's a very close 12 and 7 is your top record, 6 and 12 is your bottom record. And from 2 through to that. Second to last, there's still a three game difference: eleven and eight versus eight and eleven. So for Gateway at ten and nine, they're just a win against Evansville away from doing a little swap and moving into a playoff spot. So it's not like it's that hard for them right now. But there's a lot of teams in here that are doing surprisingly well, and that West is just so close that it's going to be interesting to see how they finish. Because you have a team like Windy City that we didn't think was going to do all that much, maybe be a middling team, really. And they're 8-2 and two in their last 10. They've done very well. They beat up on some East Coast teams, which is really what they needed to do. And they've, they've done well. Yeah, and, and it's early in the season, so I think you can, you can expect uh, a lot of uh, standings that are, that are very tight. I mean, at the end of the day, yeah. I mean, you're talking, what, five, five teams within, within two games of each other? Yeah. So I, like, these, can, you could, you, these could flip so easily uh and uh, i mean the whole division i mean florence has certainly struggled quite a bit but i mean even a team like lake erie is still still very much in it uh, at the moment and just four really four games back of washington in second to last and uh and you know as i mentioned it, it, that's outside of the two outliers in quebec and empire state I mean, you haven't seen a ton of teams separating themselves, but which is good because that means you're going to have you have a good talent base across the league. At least initially, it looks like that, um, and we'll see if it continues that way. But I mean, specifically in the West, I it's hard to pick a favorite right now, um, just because everything is so everything is so close together. Certainly, Washington is playing really well. Evansville, after a tough start, is starting to play like we know they can play. I I mean I wouldn't even rule out a team like Florence yet even though at, at six and twelve uh, we know what they can do as well and, and it does seem like a team like Lake Erie is sort of heading the other way they've lost four straight but uh, I mean you're right when you say the West totally up for grabs at the moment uh, not like the East at all yeah and just looking at more of a general standings approach Braxton Davidson he's doing pretty well from a power perspective I mean nine home runs twenty four RBIs. But Nick Ward's batting nearly 500, and I think that needs to get acknowledged. I mean, it's just insane. Uh, it's just insane that really the start that the start that those two uh, that, the, that those two have had. Of course, I mean, I mean, they, specifically Davidson as well. I mean, I mean, that's his calling card. That's his yeah. power. And so, uh, I mean, at this kind of rate, though, I I don't know if any and I don't know if anyone expected. Nine home runs, nine home runs in nineteen games. I mean, ugh, doing the math, I don't even know what that would be on pace for, but uh, but certainly a lot. Uh, but I mean, yeah, Ward I think has to be the at least early on the one of the, among the favorites and probably the favorite for for Player of the Year. But of course, you know, it's it, it's early, so you'll see how, how much of it sustains. It's hard to he won't sustain it at that level. But then you also wonder, hey, does an affiliated team come calling really for either of those two? Certainly questions that, that can be asked, and, and we'll have to see. But, I mean, yeah, both those guys just have yeah, they're just, just been mashing. They, yeah, I mean, Nick Ward particularly is impressive with the 447 average and eight home runs to, to tack on as well in 19 games. It's impressive. And also, Jesus Lugiano, he's doing pretty well, too. He had three walk-off hits in the course of one week as well. So, I mean, like, that's a very nice little week he had, too. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's, uh, he, he had a great week as well. Um, and, I mean, hey, 
you might walk off. We're talking walk offs. Might as well. I uh, you might you might as well be a member of the Hofstra Pride. Eight walk offs this season for the Pride or in the regionals. First game didn't go too well today, but you know, I'm just happy to be there. Uh, but but regardless, uh, yeah. I mean, he, he had a he had a great week and coming up big in big spots and really endearing himself to to that fan base as well. Absolutely, Tri City's definitely a, a big Jesus fan there, and it's been a really like solid month or so for uh, for Will Thompson sports teams, hasn't it? It really has. It it, it really has been. I mean, see, it, it's all the the sports gods are rewarding me at the moment because they know what what comes with football season, uh, with the Giants and Rutgers football two teams I I care deeply about and just don't do anything for me however uh it's going well right now though for sure which is always nice to see that but i don't know why you're ragging Rutgers football they have well i've been informed by the rucker football fan base is essentially jesus christ and greg shianu so i don't know why you're talking down when you have greg shianu i'm not talking down i'm they're, they're building a program it's just i'm just speaking historically they're I'm just I mean, saying. Has been, hey, they they made the Gator Bowl. I'll have you know. <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> there's no asterisk attached to that one. Nope, not at all. <laughs> I say we continue. Uh, we'll no, continue no, on. Uh, we'll no, continue no need on. To talk more about we, that. We won't look any further into Greg Shiano, who, quite frankly, it, I'm surprised he even has one loss to Rutgers. I'm, I'm amazed. He shouldn't have any, as far as I'm concerned, with the way he's talked about. Well, we'll We'll continue on to the Atlantic League because such a hater. <laughs> uh, we're gonna leave. I thought we were leaving, so we're gonna continue on. We're gonna talk about uh, with the Southern Maryland Blue Crabs, who, despite a nice little push from Long Island this past week, they're nearly at five hundred, just the game under. They're uh, still firmly in control of this division because the North Division took way too long to get their act together, and uh, it, it's still the Blue Crabs division to lose. I mean. They almost have it locked. They they have it locked up at this point for the first half. I, I think it's I think it's pretty easy, pretty easy to say that. And uh, I mean, even though Long Island has played better like of late, they've won four straight. That was also following a rough series against Gastonia. So yeah, I uh, I think I I don't even know if I can say that the North Division really has got their act together at this point. Um, you know, Southern Maryland, I. They they've they got off they had a little bit of a, a schneid but I right back on it I mean this uh, a dominant roster at the moment I mean but as much as we as much as we love get love that we give to the southern Southern Maryland Blue Crabs I mean uh, they're they're tied for the the best record record in the league with the High Point Rockers who have been yeah. who have been incredible themselves and I mean how about Gastonia we keep waiting for Gastonia to kind of regress and come back down to earth and they don't do it and they yeah. don't do it so uh, and then. I mean, you mentioned Lexington earlier. As as well as things went for Lexington last year, it's pretty much just gone the opposite. So yeah, yeah. We'll get back to Gastonia in a second because I do, and we'll get back to High Point and Southern Maryland later on. But I do want to go to Lexington because we were talking about this a lot before we came on, where it's we were really expecting this team to come out everything firing, and just has not really been. The only consistent thing about this team is that their mound keeps falling apart. Apparently on, uh, let's see, it would have been Wednesday, their mound again fell apart. They had to suspend the game, although it had like a week of games on it beforehand. Like it was the fifth game in the last two days that was on that mound when it fell apart again. So the mound is an ongoing issue there, but it would be one thing if that was it, but they were playing good baseball. They're just not playing good baseball right now, which makes the mound even more comical. That is a side note, though, but... It's just, as a team, they're not really putting it together. And from a team that we were like, yeah, they should be like the Atlantic League's, you know, KC Monarchs here. They're just not showing up. What we're getting here is more like second-half legends like we saw last year, not first-half and playoff legends that were just a tank to run through. Yeah, and I, I think especially in, when you cut, you cut Lexington some slack, a little bit because like oh they won the first half so they could coast a little bit in the second half uh, last year but I mean yeah it, it's been they've been really rough um, I mean specifically I mean they have the worst pit they have the worst pitching in the league uh, by a pretty wide margin 
I mean, the both both and obviously the mound issue isn't isn't easy. Um, it's funny you think that. And listen, I don't know much about fields and like upkeep of fields, but I will I will say this: when the idea of like oh we're gonna have two we're gonna have two teams like host games out of here for a full Atlantic League schedule. Oh, it sounds ambitious, but hey, I mean, you put in turf, and I, I feel like they probably thought, okay, we'll just put it, like, yeah, that's a lot of games, and yeah, that would be tough on the field, but we'll put in turf, so it'll be cool, it'll be fine. Which would but, have been all right, but as Ryan told us, what was it, last week or week before, week before it was, uh, that they kind of didn't put it in quite right, that it had to kind of be rushed in there. So if that's part of the reasoning, then it's like, yeah, the turf would have been fine, if it was done correctly and the amount of time it passed on, nobody was really on it. When you're kind of half-assing putting in the turf, then yeah, there's going to be issues here. And you said, well, and you're not wrong at all, that by far they are the worst pitching team, because they are. The second worst team is Kentucky Wild Health, the other team that calls that field home. So I'm not, maybe I'm improperly drawing a conclusion here, but if the two worst pitching teams play half of their games at the same ballpark, then perhaps we could look towards the central theme of what are these guys always pitching off of that mound? What always seems to be falling apart? The landing spot on the mound. As a pitcher, I got to think there's some psychological effect to this isn't a good mound. It's broken a couple times right where I land. I You almost wonder if subconsciously they're pulling up a little yeah. bit because no like, because yeah, I don't want my foot to go through here because my foot goes through here and I mess up my ankle that that could be my season here or it could just the length of time to fix my ankle or my foot could cost me so much time and my shot at getting picked up I, I gotta imagine it's a factor no absolutely I mean absolutely it's a it's a it's a factor as far as I mean, mentally, if you're just if you're worried about that landing spot, and uh, it's it's something that you're worried about, you're you're more worried about how am I going to land and how am I not going to get myself injured, uh, as opposed to how hard am I throwing, where am I locating, what am I, what's my game plan here to try and attack hitters, and I I it's not you can't attribute it to all, uh, you, you oh, can't yeah. fully use it as excuse or mo- even most of it, but. I certainly think it has to be a factor, and especially for a team like like the Genomes. I mean, they're the second best OPS in the league. They're first. Uh, they're they're uh, first in the league in batting average at, at two seventy nine. So you're wondering, I mean, how is this possible? I mean, the, the pitching has been has been that poor, um, and I don't know. I, I think that you gotta. A lot of it comes back to the mound, and, and you wonder about it. Um, but you can't use it as, as, as a complete excuse, but I, I definitely think it has some, that, that would have some sort of merit. Yeah. It's just, it's definitely a concerning element to see. And I mean, overall as a team, neither team's really doing well. And when half the time you're throwing the ball, it, it doesn't like concern. It's, I don't think it's much of a coincidence that a wild health team that spent more time on the road is the better of the two teams. Now, that's not really saying all too much. I mean, it's it's four games better. I mean, it's not like a world of difference here, but it could be important later on. So uh, it's just it's something to note. I guess uh, switching to more of a positive mindset, looking at a high-point team that's essentially both the best hitting and best pitching teams in the league, uh, they seem like a team that's destined to go far. I mean, they sure do. It's a roster that's that's really stacked uh, from top to bottom, um, and it's a lineup that doesn't really have any holes in it at all. And I mean, but specifically on the pitching end of things, they have been just dominant. I uh, the best the best ERA in the league, as you mentioned, and it's it's not even close. I, I mean, they have a team ERA of two eighty seven, Gastonia in second at three sixty one. So uh, they're a group that. That, that has been terrific, best OPS in the league. They're second in the league in, in batting average uh, as as well. I mean, they're driving in runners. Uh, they're not. They're, they're walking. They're walking a ton. Uh, it's they're, they're just an incredibly well-rounded team, and something that you've 
almost come to expect from the high point rockers and, and Jamie Keith and, and that whole staff there, because they continue to put out terrific rosters and with great depth every single season. And I, I will say, especially having a guy like Logan Morrison in your lineup, uh, every single day now and, and not, I guess, uh, being more secure than that he's going to be there for a while. I think that that really plays a role and because he's he's been off to a terrific start for them as well. Certainly. And I mean, Ben Eklinski too. He's leading in all of the yeah. three major categories there. Only one batting above 300. Although, of course, Quincy Lattimore, he's 299 right now, right up there with home runs and RBIs as well. Jerry Downs, he's a guy that was a very consistent hitter last year, is still a very consistent hitter this year. Uh, there's other guys in there as well. Overall, they're just a team that seems to go, all right, this is what we need to do, and they take care of business, and that's just that. Obviously, I'm not sure if I'm willing to call them the best team in the league yet. Southern Maryland's only lost one series so far this year, and I mean, like how long it took them to get that 10th loss. So it's not exactly like they're a slouch of a team either. It's just overall, the high point just seems like a real tank, and it, I just feel like it's easier to talk about a high point team in this way because they're fighting for more. And I understand, you know, his standings may be kind of a secondary thing because everybody's thinking about getting picked up and where they're going and whatnot. But certainly, if you're Southern Maryland, you kind of know by now, all right, we're over the halfway mark in, in the first half. We're over the quarter mark in the year. It would take something really major right now. It's over the next four weeks to really lose this spot. You're up by about 10 games on Long Island. You, you'd really need a tank and Long Island would need to get well really quick if to really endanger that playoff spot. So you kind of assume they're in. As far as the South goes, High Point against Stony are still neck and neck. Yeah, now it's a three game difference. High Point's kind of surged ahead of them a bit, but even still, it's not exactly like that's a lock. All it takes is a 500 week from high point and like, let's just say a 750 week from Gastonia. And all of a sudden you're back to within a game of each other. And now it's a real dog fight again. So I'm not, I'm not ragging on Southern Maryland here, but we've talked about how good of a team they are in the past and where they're at in the standing. So for me, it just like high point seems like a more compelling team to talk about here just because they have a lot more on the line for them. Because you never know for that second half, are we going to see these Kentucky teams resurge? Charleston has had bits and pieces moments. And of course, Gastonia is still going to be contending and fighting. So it's an interesting setup there. I think that definitely plays a role in it, especially because you're a team that you know you got to bring your A game. Uh, because not to mention you have... You may, I think you're 100% right when you talk about the uncertainty the second half in that, in that division as well. But also... Um, hey, you got Gastonia, who's not going away. Uh, they're not going away in second place. They're just three games back. And in Southern Maryland, at least for the first half, is essentially more on cruise control. And listen, that's not, that's no fault of their own. Uh, but I think that, that does benefit a team like High Point, who's, uh, who's really going all out because, I mean, they're playing and they're also playing better teams. Uh, they're playing, they're playing those better teams more consistently as well. So I mean, I'd probably, if you would ask me who to, who would I think is the best team in the league, I'd, I'd have to say it's High Point right now. Uh, I, Southern Maryland, of course, is, is a really good team, but I, I think High Point is probably it at the moment. Uh, but I definitely think that 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 idea that hey, we don't know that I mean Lexington is more than capable of just adding a bunch of guys in the second half uh, and and really making a run at this thing, and we could end up being screwed. Uh, out of a playoff spot yet again, if we don't, if we don't take care of business right now, because you have to, you have to in a division with that, with so many well-run teams, uh, and especially if Gastonia is good. I mean, forget it. I mean, that's still such an incredibly tough division. Uh, even a team like Wild Health, like who's, yeah, maybe their record isn't great and their pitching is really bad, but hey, they have, they have the second best offense in the league, so they're no slouches either. So, um, it's. I think that definitely plays a role in it, uh, and it helps uh, keeps those keeps those players focused really on the goal. Helps keep Jamie Keith focused on the goal because because you can't let off. You there's you have no room to let off uh, in that division because you're not especially. It's not. It might be Gastonia right now, but in the second half you could be you could totally see a team catching hot, catching fire. I mean, we saw that that complete 180 for Charleston last year as well. 
from the first half to the second half, and they're more more than capable of doing it again. Absolutely, they definitely are. And as far as that Southern Divisional race goes, High Point against Estonia you're playing right now. They have two more games left in their series. Game one went to uh, Gastonia, 5-4. There's another series next week. I believe it's uh, 10-11-12 or 11-12-13 that they play each other. Those are very big games here. Those are games that you can really make up or lose ground very quickly. And so it'll be very interesting to see how that winds up shaking out. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention the Lancaster Barnstormers ERA of a 4.89 for them. I know people like when we talk about their ERA, which is surprisingly good. Good for them. They're they're doing pretty solid there. Yeah, we're not, we're not, we don't only talk about them when their ERA is bad. We also talk about them when their ERA is good. Absolutely. I mean, compare that to, let's say, I don't know, a team like the Empire State Grays, whose ERA did drop this week. I feel like that's important to note. We ragged, them, ragged on them for having an ERA above 10. They are now under 10. They're at a 959. So it is getting better if you are an Empire State Grays fan. However, if you're a Jackals fan, uh, the gap is closing. You're at a 728 right now. So the gap is closing. It's only about a two and a quarter run difference now, which after a series against uh, Quebec, who knows? Maybe that gap could get even tighter. So Yeah. But well, that's not good about the Jackals, but. Yeah. That, that's a Jackal issue right there. So that is. But, uh, anything else left for the Atlantic League this week before we, we head off? I don't, I, I don't think so. I mean, we have clearly the top three teams in the first half has have established themselves. That's for sure. Yeah. And one quick prediction before we head out: Barry Hawks are at nine wins right now. Yeah. By the time we record next, will they have ten wins? Yes. Okay. Because because I went to a game last week and I saw them win, so I'm going to say they they are able to pull it off this week and win one game. Oh. All right. So you're putting faith in them. They have. Long I was Island. there when they. I was there when they beat High Point. Uh, of all teams, of course. You sir saw Haley's comet like event. I want you to. Po- I want to point that out to you. Was that? You saw like a Haley's comet type of. Oh yes, yes. I I sure did. I was surprised too that that Nolan played well. Yeah. Hey, there's nothing. Uh, nothing more that could be said about that than that. So I guess with that, we've kind of finished our baseball talk. Uh, for the week here. I think we got a pretty solid show in there on that. I mean, naturally, uh, it's nice to be talking about baseball again and not doing previews or anything like that. So it's good to get back to those types of shows. Totally. A- absolutely. That's what we're here for. I mean, it's not the indie ball, the indie ball preview show. It's the, the indie ball off season lease stories. It's the uh, indie ball. We talk about independent league baseball. So normally, sometimes we talk about basketball too, or and sometimes we go on, so. and sometimes we go on tangents. Yeah, exactly. That's such a great, uh, great Twitter bio there. But I, yeah. I do have a couple things that need to be said before we get to the plugs, and it's really just one thing, not a couple of things. Which is, we have an interview for like the first time in months next week, which I have it marked right here on the calendar because we wanted to get this guy for a couple of weeks. Now we we're trying, we work something out. Uh, but what we have for you next week is a fun interview. Former player, uh, made some news in the offseason by his retirement announcement. That's Alex Boxwell. We're going to have him on the show. We're going to have a nice conversation with him, uh, running the gamut of all sorts of things. So I definitely encourage people to tune in for that next week. It'll be fun. And it's always nice to get, uh, get the interviews in. It's always a fun time. Because you, you know, you get a different opinion, different voice, and it's nice to break up the routine every once in a while. So yeah, absolutely. I mean, you get tired of hearing me and me and Nick's voices all the time, so mix it up a little bit. Exactly. So you heard from from friend of the show Ryan a couple weeks back. Now you get to a nice interview with uh, Alex Boxball. So I'd like to keep doing these interviews in season too. I think it's kind of nice to break it up from just us talking about baseball and these different leagues all the time. I think it's. It's kind of nice. Plus, you know, occasionally we get busy in the uh, in the summer as well. So it's kind of nice to fill in for weeks where it's like, okay, we got a tight schedule here. Or days like today where we wind up recording at like midnight. So it yep. makes it a little bit easier when it's like, okay, we only have to record for like 20 minutes on baseball stuff because we have a 35, 40-minute long interview. So it's nice for us. And also it's nice for you guys just to hear different voices. And in the case of Alex, he's got a, a very... Very interesting uh, 
career and a lot of other interesting things to talk about as well. So having interesting people on is always a positive. Absolutely. Yeah. So with that, uh, we'll just go into our usual routine. We'll go into the plugs and then we'll get out of here. Uh, if you want to follow the show, you can do so on Twitter at IndieBallPod. If you want to follow Will for more Celtics takes, you can do that at Will underscore Thompson 33. I looked it up because I have the screenshot. So definitely follow him for the Celtic takes because you never know what you're able to screenshot. Just like he thought, just a random pathetic tweet, I couldn't turn to meme material. And that's where he's wrong, because I've used it several times already. So That's true. That's true. And he knows it, too, because I sent him a couple things, and sometimes it's out of context, and you don't understand what it means. And then I'm like, this is why. And it's like, oh, okay, in that case. Such as a walk-off hit by pitch. Which, if you're a, if you're a pitcher and you hit someone to end the game, that's pathetic. To end your season. Yeah, like, come on. It, <laughs> Like, I feel like it's better to just throw a meatball over the plate and have it crushed for a while because at least it's like, well... It could be hit at someone. Exactly. Like, maybe he gets underneath it. Maybe it's hit foul. Maybe the wind keeps it in. Maybe there's a base running error somewhere in there. There's at least a chance of it's in play. If you hit him, it's game over. It, like, and I understand it's just one that gets away from you. It happens, but... In that situation, it just can't happen. There's just times where mistakes can't happen. And that's when your season's on the line. Because mistakes were made to put you in that position to start with. And then for that to happen, to compound it, 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 I just imagine as a coach, it's one of those things that really annoys you. It's compounding mistakes. Mistakes Mm -hmm. happen, but you can't let multiple ones happen in a row. That's when we have problems. For sure, for sure. But that's a... That's a whole nother aside, but yeah, follow him for the Celtic takes, follow the show for, you know, independent ball takes. If you're on Instagram, you can follow at ALPB underscore news for, for stuff there. And also our thing for stuff, which is indie ball report there. Follow all that. Uh, if you want to just listen to the show, maybe find other places to find the show. It's all your standard podcast fare. Just about every major podcatcher will have it. Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, uh, Podomatic, Google podcast. Apple Podcast, tune in, you know, like I said, all the major ones were on there. So rate, review, and subscribe if you can. Helps the show grow. We like that stuff. So do all that. Uh, anything else left to add before we head out? Just want to give a big shout out to Hofstra Baseball. Even if they go over uh, in their uh, Chapel Hill Regional this weekend, incredibly proud. Uh, a team that, uh, a program that had not had a winning season in a decade. Uh, especially being a Northeast college baseball team is so difficult trying to recruit against teams in the South and uh, with the, with the weather disadvantages and stuff. And I mean, again, not having a winning season for a decade and uh, well, former big leaguer, um, you probably know the name Frank Catalanato, uh, Nick, I'm sure. It rings uh, a bell, yeah. Uh, yeah. And a 12 year major leaguer came in, totally changed everything in one year and, I mean, now seeing the pride in the in the regionals is just really cool. Lost today against a terrific UNC team, but uh, hopefully they can submit, if they can get one win tomorrow against the Georgia Bulldogs, uh, get one win in, in the regionals. That'd be incredible for the program. But uh, but no matter what happens, even if they lose by 25 runs tomorrow, incredibly proud. They they deserve a lot of praise, and hopefully they can keep building off it. Absolutely. And of course, it goes against my religion as a Blue Devil fan to say anything positive about UNC. So we can't be doing that. But I because I don't have much to add other than Ranger Hockey's going extremely well. And hopefully the next time we talk, I'll be talking about the Eastern Conference champion, New York Rangers. But I don't want to jinx anything. So we're not going to go any further than that. But I do have to ask one thing because I saw when the whole regionals and everything were announced, people were up in arms about Rutgers not making it. Is this a snub or not a snub? Oh, absolutely a snub. I, it is a, a horrible, horrible snub. I mean, this is a team that won 45 games this year. Uh, and, I mean, they went 45 and 14, 17 and 7 in the Big Ten. The number two seed in the Big Ten, they went undefeated through the Big Ten tournament. Uh, they lost in the Big Ten championship, uh, to Michigan. But I, I just, I don't know what else they could have done. And I understand that the Big Ten wasn't great for college baseball this year. I get it. But to say that, the Big Ten only deserves to be a two-bid league, and uh, I mean, I just don't know how else. I don't know how else, how much better Rutgers could have played, and I thought they were certainly deserving uh, to be in over teams like 
like Ole Miss, who uh, who was under 500 in SEC play, uh, even a team like uh, I think and made some bad decisions, like Dallas Baptist, probably had no business being there. I mean, how about a team like they complained about the con- not being a non-conference champion in a conference the committee doesn't like, but they put in uh, they put in Grand Canyon, uh, who was like a non-conference champion team from the WAC. Like, come on, I, it's 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 ridiculous, and I I would love to see a lot more respect for for some of the northern teams that have in, in immense obstacles against them. Uh, Unfortunately, and, and even like a team like Notre Dame that gets screwed in that too, but them not hosting is just equally ridiculous. So, uh, yeah, I, I won't go in my home. NC State also should be in there instead I was, of like Ole Miss. I was just about to ask who got a bigger screw job, NC State or Rutgers? Uh, I mean, if you're asking me to compare the two, and I'd probably, if you're saying that you could only put in one, I'd yeah. NC State. Because uh, I mean, NC State reached the ACC final as well. I didn't even think I literally didn't think NC State was in any sort of danger. I really didn't. Like I was like, all right, if they unless they go like zero and two in the ACC tournament, then maybe you could you could you might have to sweat it out on 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 the for the, during the selection show. Never in my wildest dreams that I think that that they were going to be uh, that they were going to be left out, and it was insane. It was horrible. The committee remembered how pissy they were last year. And they were like, yeah, we're going to get even now. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they said, well, you got mad at us because we made you play with, like, 13 scholarship players or whatever the hell they had to play with because of the whole COVID outbreak and against Vandy uh, in the College World Series. I mean, you got angry at us. Watch what we do to you. Yeah, now you won't get the chance, so yep, it comes around. But... See, right now this is very difficult for me because on one hand I'm like, you know, I my anti-Big Ten agenda is thriving here and Notre Dame getting screwed is just like money on the house because I'm not a Notre Dame fan in the least bit. But on the flip side, the Northern pride element of me is like, mm, I don't really like the Northern teams getting snubbed. So it's a real tough one, but my anti-Big Ten agenda just seems to win out because I'm not a Big Ten fan in the least bit. A two-team league, a two-bid, a two-bid league to me, it seems. Two-bid league for a two-bit league. I'm still pissy at them for ruining college hockey, but that's a whole I, thing. Yeah, that's a whole other thing. That's a whole other thing, so. At this point, we're off the rails. We'll wrap it up here, because I don't want to be editing this till two in the morning with the, uh, with the good old, until next time, don't forget to play ball.